Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter um, 17. We'll be finishing up that chapter today. Matthew chapter 17, we'll be starting in verse 24. I have found in my life that there is a great benefit to being the son of a pig farmer. Many of you know my family, many of you have met my parents. My dad has raised hogs his whole life. And uh, I have a great benefit from that because our freezer always has meat. We got up yesterday morning and we had sausage and it was great. And we had bacon this morning and it was greater. I mean, don't you love our freedom in the Lord? I mean, when when Jesus uh, cleansed all foods and we can now eat bacon, isn't that wonderful? (laughs) But there's a great benefit to being the son of a pig farmer. You know, whenever he, uh, he sells... His hogs to individuals. He'll sell them. If any of you want to buy one, he'll sell it to you. And he'll deliver it to the meat locker and they will uh, process it for you. And then you can pay the meat processor for um, your processing. And much cheaper than what you could buy a whole hog at the store, you can buy it from my dad. Now, I'm not giving a commercial, I'm making a, uh, an analogy here. Jesus here. Um, He asks Peter a question in this passage we're about to look at. And he says, from whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tax? Does he take it from their sons or does he take it from others? Well, because my dad is the farmer who's selling the pigs, he doesn't charge me anything for the pig. Now, I pay for the processing, but I get the pig for free because my dad is my dad. And Jesus here is saying, when, when, when kings tax people, do they take these taxes from their sons or from others? Would it make sense if Caesar, as he is sending out the tax collectors all around, sends the tax collector to his very own son, or Nebuchadnezzar, or any other king that you can think of from the Bible? Would it make any sense if they were taxing their own children? No. And Peter recognized that and he says, from others. That's who they take tax from. What Jesus was claiming in this passage was he is the very unique son of God. I hope that will become clear as we, as we look at the passage. And it doesn't make sense if it wasn't for the fact, this fact. I'm going to give you one piece of information. The, the tax that it's talking about here is not a civil tax. And we're going to see that. It's a, it's a tax to the temple. And I'll explain that a little bit more in a second. So what Jesus is saying, He is the Son of the Father. He is the Son of God. And so this tax that was given to the temple, He's exempt from it. It's like paying your own dad for something that He would give you for free. This is the temple tax. Jesus says, I'm exempt from it. I don't have to pay it. But because we don't want to offend other people, 
Then he gives Peter a method for how they're going to pay it. Let's read the text. Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 24. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? And he said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, From others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you care for every need of our hearts. Lord, we thank you that you have brought each one of us here today and no one is here by accident. And Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes today and open our ears that we can hear you speak to us. Lord, we need to feed on your word. And give us hearts that receive it with joy. Father, be with me, a wretched sinner who you died for. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I said it has to, you have to understand what kind of tax this was to make sense. Jesus, uh, they, they came to Capernaum. Now, Capernaum, we've, we've, Jesus has been in Capernaum before. Earlier on in the gospel, we saw how they were in Capernaum whenever Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. That was probably their home base of operation. Jesus traveled around all over the area doing ministry, doing miracles, preaching, and all kinds of things. But Capernaum was probably their home base of ministry. And they probably were set up there in Peter's mother-in-law's home. So they, after traveling all over, they come back to Capernaum. And someone asks Peter, does your teacher pay the two drachma tax? This tax was a tax that was established in the Old Testament law that was to be taken for the purpose of the temple. It was to be given to the priests to take care of the needs of the priests. And in this day, the trained rabbis were exempt from the temple tax. And so were all the priests because, like I said, it wouldn't make sense for the people whose benefit the tax was taken for to then be turned around and taxed. Jesus was not a trained rabbi. And so this person coming along to Peter, he, he, he knows that Jesus is teaching and he's doing a lot of things maybe that other rabbis would do. And he asks Peter, does your teacher, does your rabbi pay the two drachma tax, the temple tax? Peter says, yes. Jesus takes this as an opportunity. You see, Peter, he then goes into the house. Maybe it was that same house of his mother-in-law where Jesus healed this woman. He went into the house and Jesus spoke to him first. 
before talking to any of the other disciples. How did Jesus know Peter had had this conversation? Was it supernatural? Did he know because of some supernatural? Or did he overhear Peter? Either way, we don't know why Jesus did this. But he took this opportunity and before he spoke to anybody else, he spoke to Peter and he said, From whom do the kings of this earth take their toll or tax? From their sons or from others? Peter, understanding the analogy, understanding here, that it wouldn't make sense for a king to tax his own sons, says, well, from others. And Jesus says, then the sons are free. The sons don't have to pay the tax. And, and then he, he, he says, nevertheless, so that we don't give offense, let's pay the tax. What Jesus was doing there is he was claiming to be the very son of God. This temple was taken, this tax was taken for the purposes of the temple. Jesus is saying, I am God's son. I don't have to pay this tax. But he recognized this. He was the God Man, He was man in human flesh. And he lived a life among men, just perfect, just like... He was just like any one of us, but he was perfect. He never, ever sinned. And though he was not bound, though he did not have to pay this tax, he chose willingly to do it so that he wouldn't give offense to others. This was a... Christological claim. It was a claim upon his deity that he did so. Jesus then does something further that illustrates his deity. He tells Peter to do something strange. He says, go take a hook to go fishing. A fishing hook. Here's a big fish story. Go take that hook and throw it out into the sea, and the first fish that you catch, open up its mouth, and you will find a shekel. The shekel was worth four drachmas. It was enough to pay for two people's tax. And he says, take that shekel, and you go and pay the tax for both you and for me. Can you imagine all the different things that had to go into this miracle? And Jesus ordained it all. Jesus, the God-man, the one who John says was there in the beginning, who was with God and who was God, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, this God, who was also man. John says that by His Word, by this Word, everything that was made was made. Jesus, the agent in creation, Did all of these things. Think of what he did. He ordained that someone walking by the sea dropped a coin. And not only any coin, but it was a four drachma coin, a shekel coin. He ordained, Jesus sovereignly ordained that someone would drop this coin into the sea. And then he ordained that some fish was going to swim by and Swallow, or not even swallow, but but just get this coin in its mouth. And Jesus, the Son of God, ordained that that Peter was going to go fish with this hook 
And it wasn't throwing out a net like Peter was doing in all the other fishing that he was doing. He was catching one fish. Not a whole harvest of fish, but he was catching one fish. And Jesus ordained that one fish that had the gold, this coin, the shekel in his mouth was the one that was going to bite on Peter's hook. All of those things. And this is more than just mere coincidence. This is Jesus using his prerogatives as God that he ordained everything there to happen. When we look at this text, text, we are intended to look at Jesus and be blown away, to be in awe of who Jesus is. Jesus here claims to be the very Son of God. He did not have to pay this tax because it would be like paying His own Father for something that His Father gave Him for free. And Jesus provided a way that not only he could pay the tax not to offend, and not only Peter could pay the tax not to offend, but he would do so in a miraculous way. way They would point back to who he is. The one who is sovereign over the universe. Why did Jesus do this? Well, I think there's two reasons. One, he was showing Peter and all the other disciples again, once again, just like he did before in the transfiguration when he lifted the veil and showed his bright, shining face that he was God in the flesh. But another reason why he did this miracle, he says, so that we don't give offense. So that we don't give offense. Well, Jesus talked often about being an offense. The passage that Marilyn read this morning called Jesus the stone which the builders rejected. That's what Jesus was. He was the stone that the builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. Jesus was despised and rejected for who He was. He he did these miracles, he did this teaching, but by claiming that he was the son of God, God in the flesh, people wanted to kill him for it. People stumbled over him. People were offended by him. And people are offended by Jesus today. We talk about Christian morality, and people are fine with don't steal. People are fine with don't kill. But people don't like it when you start messing with adultery. Because they want to live... However, makes them feel good and happy. And they don't realize that the end leads to destruction. Jesus is an offense to the world. And we have no way of removing the offense of the cross. When we proclaim Christ... Paul said that it is, it is a stumbling block to the Jews 
And it's foolishness to the Greeks. The world looks at us proclaiming Jesus Christ, proclaiming that there was a man who was born 2,000 years ago who was God in the flesh, and he died, and he rose again, and somehow something about this man who died and rose again, can through it we can have forgiveness of our sins, and we can be with God forever. The world looks at that and says, that's foolishness, that's foolishness. We cannot remove The the stumbling block of the cross. But you know what? We have different things that we do that we could cause people to stumble. What one of the challenges is of living the Christian life, of being a believer, of being a church, is we want the only offense to be the cross of Christ. We don't want people to be offended when they look at our lives and they think, that person's a Christian? I can't believe they act like that and they're a Christian. They say they're a Christian. Well, if Christians act like that, I don't want to have anything to do with your Jesus. We want to remove all other offenses. Live a life of holiness unto the Lord Not because we're earning our salvation, which we could never do. Salvation is free by the blood of Jesus. But when we are saved, He changes us. And one of the motivations that leads us to live a life of holiness is we don't want other people to look at us and think, that person says they're a Christian? I am so offended. I don't want to have anything to do with your Jesus. Or... We might have rules that we set up that are not biblical rules. Rules that are just based in our tradition. And, you know, I don't know what everybody feels about this, but I've seen in other churches, and this is a very small thing, this is not a a major thing, but this is a very small thing that that we can think about. I've seen in other churches a, a, a sign on the sanctuary door that says, No food or drink. Where does it say in the Bible, you can't bring a cup of coffee into the sanctuary with you? You know, maybe for another generation that was, that was understood. Maybe, you know, we, we can understand, you know, there's the carpet and we just don't want to mess or things like that. But you know what? People that are unchurched, they would like a comfortable place to come in. And, and they don't want to be chewed out because they brought their cup of coffee into the sanctuary. We could just we could put an offense before people that is not the offense of the gospel. One of the things we need to do as a church to, to reach out to our community is do we need to search ourselves and see what kind of areas do we have that, that we have expectations of the people that come in these doors? Expectations. Uh, do, do people, do they think in order to come in this building, they have to be dressed a certain way. We have to remove every offense. Every offense except for the offense of Christ. Because ultimately, Christ overcomes all of the offense that He is on those that He's drawing to Himself. He overcomes that offense. A person hears about Jesus, hears about a man who was dying on a tree, 
and who rose again, and they might be offended by that. But when Jesus wants to save that person, he will remove all of the obstacles. He will chase that person down. He will hunt them like the hound of heaven until they submit and they trust in Christ. The cross is offensive. The fact that Jesus claimed to be God can be offensive. But let us not be the offense. Let us not be offensive to those who walk in our doors, to those who we meet on the street, to those who see us and see the lives that we live. May God purify us. Purify His church. Help us to live holy lives, lives of grace, and not lives of legalistic rules. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org, or you can also like us on Facebook.